0: through 5-2. So then putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sing. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing, rather let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, Together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be intimidators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The Word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God. There are some startling things in Scripture, and one of the things that startles me sometimes is what's in it. Okay, all the time. But we are told things by the Apostle Paul, like nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even angels. What? Aren't angels on our side? What are they doing on that? List And you have to dig to to find the answer. Well, it happens again in this passage. This letter is written to the church in Ephesus. And it says, thieves, don't steal. How am I supposed to preach on that? Any thieves care to raise their hand? We're going to find out. Because again, you have to study the word of God. Lord, we thank you for your word always that is so, so vital to people of every century, of every generation. It is a truth indeed for all time, and we are grateful for it. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. I'm going to take you way back. It's even a little bit before railroads, all of them, were around. You heard that, didn't you, Miss Audrey? I'm going to take you back to the 14th century, the 1300s. In the region we now call Belgium, there was a duke by the name of the Third. Now, Reynald had a nickname, Crassus, which means fat. He was fat because he really liked to eat, and he really liked to eat a lot. The day came when he had a very serious quarrel with his younger brother, Edward. It was so serious that Edward led a revolt against Reynold and took him prisoner and back to Newkirk Castle. There, Edward had a special room built around his brother. Edward promised his brother that he could regain his freedom his title, and his lands as soon as he was able to leave the room. Now, for a normal-sized person, that wouldn't have been a problem. There were several windows and a door, all of normal size. None of them were locked. None of them were, were barred. The problem for Reynald was his size. In order to leave the room, Reynald would have to lose a lot of weight. As if that wasn't hard enough, Edward, knowing his brother's weakness, made sure that trays of the finest foods. Reynald's favorites were delivered to his room every day. Instead of dieting his way out of prison, Reynald actually gained weight. And when uh, Edward was accused of cruelty, he replied, My brother is not a prisoner. He may leave when he so wills. Reynold stayed in that room for 10 years and wasn't released until his brother, Edward, died in battle. By then, Reynold's health was so bad that he died within a year of being released. He was a literal prisoner to his appetites. Ephesus was a major thoroughfare, a thriving seaport. Ephesus was also a very harsh city. It was home to the temple of Diana, the goddess of fertility. And the temple was one of the first megachurches. Able to accommodate 24,000 people. You know, think about that. If they only got 20,000 in attendance, they were having a bad week. And because she was the goddess of fertility, let's just say that worship there was a whole lot different than worship here. Ephesus was also a city full of criminals. Now we're getting to that stealing and a message to thieves. It was tradition in Ephesus that if a criminal reached the temple of Diana, they were granted asylum for their crimes. So Ephesus attracted a lot of criminals. Ephesus was an extremely popular city and an extremely immoral city. The people of Ephesus were held prisoner by their own appetites. How easy do you think it was to live a Christian life in Ephesus? For that matter, how easy is it, surrounded by all manner of temptation, how easy is it to live the Christian life in our day and time? Paul is asking a question for the ages. Is it possible to live a G-rated, G for godly, a G-rated life in an R-rated, R for raunchy world? How could Christians avoid going back to their old lifestyles? And thievering was considered a profession back then. You didn't want to get caught, but it was still considered a profession. Now think if you're taking away someone's profession because of your faith. I have had several people in my churches who said they lost their jobs because they refused to work on Sunday. Now whether you agree with that or not, that's making it hard for them to live their faith when they lose a day of work or a job, which is their way of caring for their families and and some others. Is it possible to live a G-rated life in an R-rated world? You see, all I can say is if someone, if anyone says that the Bible is not relevant, they haven't read it. So many people, Christians included, struggle with their old lifestyles. How do their old friends fit into their new lives? Do they fit in? Is there a place for them at all? How do we resist temptation when we are literally surrounded by a smorgasbord of sin? And are we living our faith? thinking about it at all? Are we living differently than the world around us? Or do we fit in too well? And Paul's word to the Ephesian Christians and to us shows us the brilliance, it shines with the brilliance of the Holy Spirit. Out with the old, in with the new. The Bible is always complete. It's always full and it's answered. It's not enough to get rid of something. But that void has to be filled with something else. And Paul even gives us some very clear examples. And if you've ever read Paul, to get anything clear from Paul is pretty amazing. He has some of the most complex, complicated theology in Scripture. And yet, in other places, like here, he is crystal clear, out with falsehood, out with lying, replace it with telling the truth. Be angry, but do not sin. Did you know it's okay to be angry? You just can't sin in response. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Maybe one day I'll preach an entire sermon on just this one verse. I have known so many married couples who have stayed up all night having the battle of their lives Chasing each other all over the house. I remember one couple. He just needed, if she'd leave him alone, he would have been fine. He just needed some calming down time. But she never gave it to him. He would close doors and lock them behind her, uh, behind him, and she'd go get a hammer and pound on the doorknob until she could get in. Why? Because you cannot let your The sun go down on your anger. But people of God, let me tell you something. Arguing with the person you're mad at is not the best way of getting rid of your anger. Dealing with your anger before God, however. Giving it to God. That's a whole different thing. Replace it. Replace it. Chasing each other around the house all the time, that's a a recipe for disaster. But Paul offers a different word out with sinning when we are angry, out with nursing our anger for days or weeks or years. Have you ever known anybody who held a grudge for years? 25 years later, they're still bringing it up. Still not giving you a chance 30 years, 40 years. How long is it going to be? And you know what the problem is? After a certain amount of time, one person's going to get over it. And the other one's going to be eaten alive by it. Anger is such a huge issue for us and Paul says don't do that to yourself don't do that to each other replace your sinful response with the strength of God in your life out with nursing your anger out With the right to react in sinful ways whenever we get angry. In with a new spiritual alarm clock. When the sun goes down, so does our anger. In with bringing our anger to God, not to each other. To a city full of criminals. Out with stealing. In with honest work. In with earning an honest wage. And Paul actually says why. To have more to share with others. Out with stealing for yourself. In with working to be able to help others. Out with the old, in with the new. All from the man who cried out, why do I keep doing those things I know I shouldn't and not do those things I know I should? Paul knew. Paul understood. Paul got it. Paul struggled, too, to live a G-rated life in an R-rated world. And his answer then is our answer now. Make your choice. Decide not to live as a pagan. Because we can do it. But only with God's help. Amen.